Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters. And we're here to help. Episode 35, Chapter 7. Episode 35, Chapter 7. Oh. Episode 35, Chapter 7. Get it. Daring Greatly. Daring, Daring Greatly. greatly. Renee Brown, shout out. Be mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what sound you're making. Da, 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 like that horn. Yeah. yeah. Bryce Conference, anybody? Yeah, man. Okay, so all that to say. Episode 35, Daring Greatly, Chapter 7. This is the final chapter in the book, so we're wrapping up the chapter breakdown, and then the next week we'll start our interviews. Yeah, so don't be sad. It's not really over yet. Don't get mad. Get glad. Ah, oh, that trash can commercial. Sponsor. Trash bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. It was Lowry's last week. <laughs> That's right. Glad this week. week. Okay. Chapter seven is wholehearted parenting, daring to be the adults we want our children to be. Before you turn this off, if you're not a parent, this applies to anyone in any role. These are good takeaways. You can carry these to whatever pockets of life you would like to. So just because you are not a parent does not mean you are not going to benefit from all this stuff. You know? I would have liked to hear some of these things before I became a parent. <laughs> yeah, study for the test. The good news is that it's not too late. Right. As we shared in a previous episode, um, a lady wrote in to Brene Brown saying that her mom heard what she had to say about shame and guilt mm-hmm. and parenting at age 75 and wrote her daughter this letter at, and her daughter's 55 and it provided a world of healing and mm-hmm. changed their relationship significantly. Right. So even if you're on the opposite end. Start or, today. Yeah. And maybe you're in a situation where you're a grandparent raising your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So this is always a good refresher. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, man. It hit you with the truth bomb right there, right, there. right off the bat. Yeah, we tried to soften that blow by <laughs> explaining a little bit. But, but uh, here it goes. Yep. You need to be the adult that you want your child to be. Yep. I feel like it's that old movie thing of like, well, I couldn't be the all-star football player, so I'm going to raise like you to be. And so I think a lot of parents parent from the, I don't want you to be like me. And so I'm going to try to say and do all these right. things, but it loses a whole lot of authenticity. Right. And that makes me think of the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, the one that we read for our education classes, and how if you don't give them what to aspire to, as opposed to, hey, don't do this, or don't be that, or don't go this way, then what? where do I go? Where's my direction? Mm-hmm. So if we're not showing the way, or even providing direction, so even if you're not very patient and you want to teach your child patience, it's going to be really hard for them to see what that looks like if we're not showing it. I think another hard one is body image. If you don't want your kid to have body image issues, then you need to resolve that. And I'm not saying it's easy. No. But um, they are very observant. They pick up on everything. Um, they, I'm trying to put it into words, like they can tell when people are lying. You know, it's yeah. different than the whole gullible but they, their belief in things. Right. I mean, a simple one is, Mom, why are you, what are you putting on your eyes? Oh, mascara. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, I've, heard, I've heard parents, I've heard moms say, because it makes me feel pretty. Mm-hmm. I've heard moms say, because it makes me look less tired. 
I've heard people say, because for fun Mm -hmm. or because I like to. So I've heard good and not so good examples of how to go about that. And that's just an easy body image thing right there. Boom. Eyelashes. Yep. So start with the little even. So, and that also just shows you how much it could trickle down into the little details too. Mm -hmm. Attention to detail. There is um, a silver lining in this. If you are stressing about how you're parenting, like parenting the quote unquote right way, um, it is more about how you view yourself. Um, and again, if you are that adult that you want your kid to be. So um, that right. can be the right way to parent. There's a reason why there's so many parenting books out there that say so many different things is because there is no one. There's Yeah, there's no one and done. Here's your manual. It gets installed while you're delivering your child. You wake up and, oh, there's my parenting manual. Like software I mean, on a computer. Right. The best parenting manual that's out there is the Bible. So if you are doing as Jesus would do, if you are showing unconditional love, grace, forgiveness, all that stuff, I mean, that's a great starting place. So I remember reading um, something that, in the Bible that said, like, don't be afraid to use the rod. It won't kill them. <laughs> I mean, it was way more scripture than that. Did you read it from just, the message? Was it the message translation? Oh, I don't even know. But I just kind of chuckled. The things you find in the Bible that you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> that people think like this is a new concept, but no. It's there. It's been around for thousands yeah. of years. Um, alrighty, so parenting again, there's this theme of leading in a culture of never enough, and this is going to get specifically into parenting in a culture of never enough. Mm-hmm. Parents are so critical of each other. Gosh, I mean, there's, we'll have to link it. There's this one commercial, so you hear about, or maybe you don't, mom wars, where it's like, I bottle fed and I formula fed or my I let my kid cry it out or I don't let my kid cry at all or, you know, it's all these things. But every, is, are you doing your best and are you doing what's best for your kid? Like there's a reason that God assigned that kid to you as the parent. It's not just happenstance like I, I'm parenting my children the way that I know what's best and that's not going to work for everybody else. Disclaimer, she does explain that, like, actual child abuse, she's not condoning that. Right. Um, but is a difference in opinion really neglect or abuse on the sense of, like, a CPS investigation and all those? Spanking or no spanking or time out versus time in or however, however you do that. There's a million ways to parent so again, are you doing what's best for your child? Are you doing your best? Is is it biblically sound? I mean, those um, are some easy ways to check yourself. Yeah, check your tech. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I do like how she kind of framed her this um, parenting and being critical of each other. She talked about you know no one really knows right when you have your first kid, um, and then you're figuring it out and you find something that works for you. And so, like, whatever works for you doesn't just become, like, your way. It becomes the way to parent. And, um, you know, you're going to tell everyone your opinion, what you feel is fact. Um, But then, this was interesting. She said, we see difference in parenting as a direct criticism on how we're parenting. Mm -hmm. So, if someone is not doing it your way, then it 
translate as, well, then they're saying my way is wrong. And she talks about the underlying, you know, in previous chapters she's mentioned if you have judged someone with a certain thing, like she uses jeans, for example, like Mm -hmm. someone wearing a certain outfit and you're critical of that outfit, is it because you don't like how your body would look in that outfit? Same thing with the parenting technique. Are you judging that mom for formula feeding because whatever the reason? That's what I was going to say, that commercial. um, It's all these moms in the park. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you've seen this one. Mm-hmm. And they're, it's like the bottle feeding moms and the cry it out moms. And they're all like standing in there. Mm-hmm. It's like West Side Story. Like they're all about to like snap it out and dance. <laughs> um, but then, and it, so it shows like all the differences and how they're kind of rivaling, the rivalry. Mm-hmm. And then it shows like this baby stroller with the baby inside just rolling down a hill. Like the baby falls. And then it shows all the moms running after it. And it's like, if we're all on the same team. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Everybody wants that baby to be saved. So we'll link that one. But then there's another commercial. And I'll have to remember it. But I'll remind you. Thanks. Just by being here. Yeah, you will. <laughs> um, so she also reminds I remember. Okay. <laughs> See? About magic. <laughs> well, about how you said the first kid to the second to the third. It makes me think of that. I guess it's Huggies where mm. it's the mom and they're going to the park so she has this like the whatever kind of snack all special and wrapped up and then by the third kid she's got like a baby on her hip baby in the stroller and she just picks up like a handful of cheerios and puts it in her pocket and walks out the door <laughs> like if you don't have some goldfish in your jacket at some point then <laughs> okay if you <laughs> for you if but... you are a mom to be let me just tell you if you have snacks on hand at all times your kids will think you are the greatest person in the world. Fact. Like, the way to a kid's heart is through their stomach. And that's um, the way to my heart as well. And by golly, if they see another kid with a snack or a, a drink, they instantly need one right that second. So, mm-hmm. you know, pick your battles. And it's like, if everyone just could carry goldfish, yeah. <laughs> that would be good too. Because if I bust out with some pretzels, Farron, oh. you bust out with some goldfish. Suddenly goldfish, I need those. Mm-hmm. Like, but can I have some of her snack? I'm like, oh, we're taking away from the other kid's snack. And then yeah. you're just like, just so take the dang goldfish. Be <laughs> a cool mom friend <laughs> and pack enough of the cool snack for your friend's kids. Because <laughs> they won't want their not as cool snack. And then you can eat that snack. Oh my gosh. Pack yourself a snack because sometimes they're extra juicy. Mm. Like <sighs> they put their whole hand in their <sighs> mouth. And then so put gross. their hand in the back. So well, pack your own snack. Yes, that. And if you always get snacks that you like too, you're never hungry as well. Yeah. Win, win, win. Everyone's winning. Great. Um, I do like that she reminds us that we're all kind of going through this uncertainty and self doubt. And we're doing the best that we can. And some people do it with a bit more pizzazz or confidence. Mm-hmm. But I would. Have to agree with that. That most of us are like, I hope I'm not ruining my kid. Some days it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, part of this attacking each other also comes from, well, if I'm not the perfect parent, I'm just gonna confirm that at least I'm doing a better job than you. <laughs> that is dangerous. Yeah. So uh, I've tried to explain this to my daughter lately that a lot of times when kids are being like mean or might have behavior outbursts at school um there's like a reason yeah they they there's something going on they're going through a hard time and that's how 
they're expressing their frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been a couple like Disney movies we've watched where the bad guy like was actually having a terrible time at home. Anyways, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, mom, you're right." I was like, "Yeah, thanks, Disney. You proved me right." <laughs> well done. So count it. Well, that and that just makes you fall into the comparison trap, and mm. nobody wins in the comparison trap. Nope, ever. So the more you're like, oh, well, at least I got this going for me. Okay. (laughs) So just be very careful. It's easy to fall into that trap, especially if you're exhausted. You've never done this before. You're doubting every move you make. So there's that. Mm -hmm. In case you didn't think parenting is important, she talks about our worthiness um, of this feeling if we're enough or not begins with your, she calls it your first family. So the family you're born into. Mm-hmm. And we learn how to engage with the world as children and that will then set us on our course. So um, some examples are if kids have to act out to get a parent's attention, uh, by golly, then that's what they're going to do with uh, in a bunch of different social situations, yep. school, church, whatever, if, if they've learned that if they throw a tantrum, they get their way, they're not doing it because they want to be bad. That is how they have learned from a behavior standpoint. If I want to be fed, if I want my mom to pay some attention to me or interact with me, I have to be bad. They don't even know at that point it's bad. They just know that that's the action to get what they want. Right. And then you get into a different structure where that's not okay to do in that. Or they don't know the hidden rules. That's that's a hard transition for a kid who's allowed to do certain things at the home. And then at school, it's suddenly not okay to do. Mm -hmm. And that disconnect is really challenging on a kid. Yes. Like uh, little boys peeing outside at recess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can't. My dad pees outside every day. Yeah, you, kinder, you can't. You can't. Public indecency, son. Sometimes, it's illegal. <laughs> like I'll, they like start dropping trowel before they're actually in the bathroom. Oh my gosh! It's just you know, wait. It's cute when they're little. Um, so yes, my biggest just side note for free, freezies little here. Um, I think people wait sometimes a little too long to start um, talking to kids about expectations or that's not what we do or this is what we need to do Um, they'll be like well they're only four and I'm like oh man (laughs) your old can learn right and wrong or procedures well and so many people like you know when they understand what you're saying Mm mm-hmm And, like, as a parent, you'll know that when they consistently know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is when you need to start having higher expectations for, like, a you know, 18-month-old. I have an 18-month-old right now. And, you know, she started kicking sister when she's in her car seat. And so we've been addressing that. Um, I'm not sure what it would communicate to my other daughter if I said, well, she's only whatever that's okay right Mm -hmm. so now i'm conveying to her that there are times that it's okay to be kicked kicked and hit and so Mm -hmm. it it can send lots of mixed messages to everybody and the longer you let it go the harder it is to reverse um a behavior so um that's just my little side note is that's really good and i think people these days like now that my kids are at these ages they're like oh my gosh 
Your kids are just such so easy, and it's like, but we're very hard on them. <laughs> we started er, like we started early, and you're just seeing the fruits of those labors. And yes, by golly, they are not perfect. No one is. Um, they are pretty fabulous, but you start early. And that I mean, and that those are, it's really hard. So like with our kids, we we did some practice academies. For some compliance training. No. So, Boring. like, that's why our kids will... <laughs> Just kidding. I should have used more fun words right there. Uh, but, for example, like, our kids now know if we say sit down, they will sit down the, the first time. Hopefully, ideally, that's the goal. Um, not, again, not everyone's perfect, so some days we're not going to sit down the first time, and then there are consequences. But there are times where training our kids, like, you grab, like, not grabbing their shoulders, but holding on their shoulders, sit down, and then sitting them down. Stand up, standing them up, sit down, stand up, and then practicing that so that way they knew what we were saying and the action that follows with it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do whenever they're frustrated and upset and they're in the corner and you tell them to stand up because they threw themselves down and they don't stand up, so you have to help them stand up. So, again, those days are hard. Those moments are hard. Uh, you feel a little bit like a failure sometimes. And you also want to put yourself in a timeout after that because you need one. Mm-hmm. Um, but stick with it. Like you were saying, Farron, it just now it's nice to see the fruits of the labor. Mm-hmm. Those really hard days. Now, if we're walking in the street and I say stop, they can stop immediately. And they understand this is for safety and we practice this and we talk about it and how you were saying expectations you can talk about expectations starting right now Mm -hmm. starting at birth I mean the more you talk to them the more they're going to understand so they'll rise to the occasion I mean it's even things like you know talking about husbands or boyfriends or whatever you know it's been you know there's a little phase where one of the one of my girls when she was little said she wanted to marry daddy and that you know it was cute because whatever not going to happen but different people family members were getting married and you know she wanted to marry daddy well that sparked a conversation like capitalize on that well what do you what's awesome about daddy so looking at the good qualities mm-hmm. and then so don't you want that person to have those and man, don't you want that person to also like daddy? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just respect for then your parents. But having those conversations and capitalizing on those moments as they come up. Well done. And then you can even say, you know what, let's pray for your husband right now. God, please give us a man that is like dad. He's strong, he's brave, he's Mm -hmm. kind, he's loving. I mean, you can, those are all things you can do right now. That way, Later, when they're dating a guy and they're in college and you're not there, they're going, is he brave? Is he loving? Is he kind? Is he like dad? Mm -hmm. There you go. Yep. Well, that got a little off track, but it was meant to be. That's how we're going to roll with that one. Um, Maybe that'll be in our book that we write. Yeah. Yeah. Don't steal it, people. Quote us. (laughs) What's the format you had to use in college, too? MLA. Yeah. Depends on, or APA. APA. Yeah. Depends on your professor. Um, I like uh, this quote that was in the book, too, by Joseph Pierce. It said, What we are teaches the child more than what we say. So we must be what we want our children to become. And man, if that is not a whole lot of pressure... As a parent, I don't know what is. Right. Again, we mentioned this last episode, more is caught than taught. 
something that always kind of irked me as just a young adult when adults would say, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what? Sure thing, boss. I'll get right out of it. Let me, let me do that. Mm-hmm. Um, another point that Renee makes, Renee Brown makes in this chapter is she says, if we want our children to love and accept who they are, our job is to love and accept who we are. And this is a good point to say that again that this is not easy no Um, we are both i'm just thinking of all the things that i'm struggling with right now like i want my kids to love this 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 and about them but i don't love that about me right now Mm. well we are both um for therapy we both think that that is a good uh tool to have if that's a weird word just say counseling or talking it mommy out. Mommy time. Yeah, whatever you want to call that. Friend. Oh man, it's quiet, not interrupted. <laughs> it is mommy. There time. you go. Yeah. Get a coffee. You can vent about whatever you want. Judgment free. Mm. <laughs> yep. Confidentiality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's not a promote, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. So again. That's just, a lot of that does take reflection, the power of reflection. We talk about that in our 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth series Mm -hmm. about how you need to stop and constantly reflect. So what is it about you right now that you're you're struggling to accept? Or what is it about you that you are loving right now? And how are you pouring that into your kids? Mm -hmm. Which leads well into the next part of the chapter where she talks about understanding and combating shame. Mm -hmm. So wholehearted parenting is... Not having it all figured out and then passing that wealth of knowledge on to your kiddos, but it's learning and exploring together. So, example tonight, um, Brianna got a Lego set. And, From Santa? Uh, her birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was her birthday recently. And so... She gets really frustrated. She wants to do it by herself, and she can do a lot of it, but she tries to skip a few pages and just look at the picture and figure out the parts instead Mm -hmm. of going page by page. Right. So she's usually in the wrong. And so Jacob came over to help her, and he put it together, and I guess I wasn't right there, but I guess it looked right. But then a few steps later, it was wrong because the next pieces didn't fit. But Brianna figured it out on her own. And Jacob kind of watched her taking it apart and like, oh, God, here we go. I'm going to have to come fix it again. And then he went over and he's like, oh, what? And then he realized that she had fixed it. And he said to her, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my gosh, modeling like your ability to say that. Yeah, that's a wrong. huge deal. Yeah. Um, but we try to uh, do that all together. I've really tried to teach my girls to respectfully voice when I've misinterpreted a situation. And Mm -hmm. so just being vulnerable as a parent while still holding a respectful authority position. Yeah. And like she said, it's, it's not having it all figured out because zero people have it all figured out. Even the experts. It's not figured out. And I love the whole being vulnerable and apologizing when you've messed up. That's a huge deal. A lot of research backs that as well. Being able to say, like, mommy makes mistakes too. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry if that hurts your feelings or that I built it wrong or whatever it is. And that just builds trust too. And nothing is wrong with learning something together. 
like you were talking earlier about patience. Um, if you're working on patience and you're trying to instill patience, that means you're going to have to grow your patience as well. Mm-hmm. I love it. Working on it. <laughs> mm, same. Um, it makes sense, but she says that those who feel lovable, who love and who experience belonging, simply believe that they are worthy of love and belonging. Mm-hmm. And so instead of thinking those that are loved feel worthy, it's more like they know they're worthy, so they feel loved. Right. It goes both ways. And so she encourages us that um, there are no prerequisites for feeling worthy and gives examples of, you know, well, I'll be worthy of love when I lose weight or I'll be have a sense of worthiness when I get pregnant and start a family or as soon as I get the right job, then I'll be worthy of whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. Um, but shame loves to try to tell you that there are prerequisites. I love that. And she, in this part of the book, she talks about how there are two types of people, those who feel like they're worth love and belonging and those who don't. Mm -hmm. It was very clear in all of her data. It was divided in two groups And so that just goes back to, um, again, the unconditional love aspect. Thanks, JC. And we're not talking about Shazé. But um, just knowing that you are unconditionally loved and then you're able to own that and then you can also exhibit that with kids Mm -hmm. or spouse or friend or whoever. So unfortunately, she brings up perfectionism a lot in this chapter Um, because I think that well I don't think she says that you know we equate being worthy as being perfect right has anyone ever been overlooked for a promotion and it went to somebody that you felt like was nowhere near the level of perfection that they should be Um, you know or Man, forgiveness is something too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either giving someone forgiveness after they've shown, you know, that a perfect record since the incident, or feeling like you don't deserve forgiveness mm-hmm. until you can live a perfect lifestyle. Um, so perfectionism and that being inversely, is inversely right? I don't know. Being related to there you go. Um, being worthy yeah that and giving giving grace throwing that one in there too Mm -hmm. like if we and it goes back to the if you feel like you have received grace and you own it it's easier for you to give grace so same thing with forgiveness Mm -hmm. if you have been forgiven it is easy for you to forgive so if jesus can forgive me of certain acts then surely i can forgive my child for whatever they just did Mm mm-hmm Um, I've been aware of this personally, and I just wanted to reiterate this point that she talks about perfectionism. I can say that word. Let me try again. Perfectionism. (laughs) Well done. Is teaching them to value what other people think over what they think or how they feel. It's teaching them to perform, please, and prove. And... That's exhausting. Yeah. I try to refrain from... No, you can't wear that into the grocery store because then people will think about X, Y, and Z about you or us or, uh, you know, why do I have to take a bath? Uh, People will think you stink and look dirty, you know. Um, While those things may be true, 
those little messages again can snowball and they can generalize that to many things and start performing and, you know, hiding behind who they truly are and valuing themselves based on what other people think of them. Yes. You mentioned this a couple episodes again, um, a few episodes ago about how kids generalize Mm -hmm. because they either don't have the vocab or they don't have the developmental process yet. So we talked about crying and whining. Mm -hmm. So if I say, don't cry, Whenever they're whining, they're going to generalize it to mom says I am not allowed to cry. Mm-hmm. And that carries with them later into adulthood versus defining whining versus crying. Right. So that's back a couple. If you want to hear that, Jim, again. <laughs> Way to go. Generalizations. Be careful. Yeah. Um, again, it's you got to know what they're receiving, not what you're saying. Right. You might say the just right thing. But you need to check back in to make sure they heard what you were trying to convey. Exit ticket. <laughs> in your house. <laughs> Teach your kid probs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Mom, I don't want to do another exit ticket. Yes, just repeat back what I said to you, please. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that in the... We've talked about that in a couple of episodes with the Joyfield Marriage and with David about um, what I'm hearing you say is this, this, this. So again, those sentence stems are game changers, so after a talk or after a lesson or whatever. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that I need to forgive her for taking my toy because blah, 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 blah. So. Mm-hmm. Not, I need to forgive her because you like her more than me. And because you told me to. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I want dessert after dinner. Right. <laughs> Lord. Um, Brene shares a story that Oprah shared. Uh, she interviewed, Oprah interviewed a lady by the name of Miss Toni Morrison. And she talks about the messages that we get about who we are when a child first walks into a room. Mm -hmm. So if a child walks into the room and the first thing we're doing is looking them up and down because their clothes aren't the right clothes. Yep. You know, they're excited to see us and we're like, what are you doing? What are you wearing? Yeah. We are communicating that we value their appearance over them. Over them. Yep. If it's, you know, a behavior thing. If it's, you know, gosh darn it, you're tired, but the kid sees your tired face and they associate it with who they are. Mm-hmm. So she just encourages that you greet children with a smile. Um, it's that initial walking into the room first impression and so after reading that I was like man I'm usually needing to finish one more thing when my kids come into my classroom after school so I'm trying to be way more intentional because I can usually hear them coming from a mile Mm -hmm. away (laughs) like a stampede and um, (laughs) I try to like tell myself okay here they come smile deep breaths hi Mm -hmm. yeah Something we've done at our house, so I usually get home before Morgan does, and I pick up the kids. So whenever we know Morgan's coming home, I'll get the kids ready, and they'll run at the door when Morgan walks in, like, Dad, woohoo! And so we always have made it a big thing, and now they do it on their own. Mm. And the bonus is, is when I come in late, they're like, Mom! Like, yes! Yes. (laughs) The payoff! (laughs) You trained them for you. So, I mean, just, and even when your kids run up to you, what if they were like, what are you yeah. wearing? Uh-huh. Instead of like, hey, I missed you. Uh, you want that too. So, mm-hmm. Or with your spouse. 
with your boyfriend, with whatever, if they're like, hey, oh, you must have had a long day at work, instead of, hey, babe, how are you? Like, yeah, even with your bestie. Hey, babe, how are you? Hi. <laughs> You're looking fly over there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, so she goes on to say that we have a lot of influence over how our kids think about themselves and their struggles. Uh, there's lots of alarming data out there to prove that shame correlates with addiction, violence, eating disorders, and suicide. That's now, nuts. And while that's like maybe not an aha moment, if that doesn't sell you on the importance of combating shame with vulnerability, I don't know what will. <laughs> right. Even if it's not for you, if it's for, again, the people you mentor, lead, or birthed or help right. raise. <laughs> well, and I like that. It, so whenever it says shame correlates with addiction, violence, whatever, whatever, whatever. Addiction could even be like, I'm addicted to social media likes mm-hmm. because I'm attention seeking because I need to know I look good because every time my mom greeted me, it was what's wrong with your shirt or you're not matching or whatever. So now I need to get that affirmation somewhere and it fuels me. Yeah. So that could look a lot of different ways too. So again, we don't do it perfect at all. Uh-uh. And all the nuggets of gold we're telling you now is because we screwed up a whole lot. Uh-huh. And so so there we go. That's why it sounds so great. Uh, but we definitely don't have it all together either. No. So we just share what works. And uh, when we think of a whoopsie that we can tell, then we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Statue limitations are not that. Yeah. The last thing that I had noted here is it says our childhood experience of shame changes who we are, how we think about ourselves, and our own sense of self-worth. Um, and it's really, again, kind of hard to come back um, from that, especially yes. on your own, and especially if you know a kid stays in the same family environment, same mm-hmm. town. Um, not many people disown their right. family. So, Or even if a trauma occurs at a certain age, they depending on the type of and severity, they're kind of locked in at that mental age, so they'll have a hard time growing from there, too. So, again, oh, my counselor taught me this thing that I'm working on this week. So, she talked about talking to your inner child, and how deep down inside everyone, it, there you have an inner child. So, think about what you did as a little kid, your happy space, whatever that was. So in my head, I'm like, cool, me climbing a tree in the backyard, shimmying up that thing. Um, And people would climb the tree with me, and we'd chat and all that stuff. So that was my mental image to kind of go to. And whenever you are, you need to think about whatever event that was that you're facing or struggling with, whether it was in childhood or whenever it was, and you need to get on level with your inner child, turn toward them, and then tell your inner child what you needed to hear at that time. Mm-hmm. So if it is um, a kid who's now struggling with the social media addiction of needing likes to find self-worth and how they feel, if you imagine your inner child, turn towards the inner child, and what would you tell that kid? Like, you're loved no matter what you're wearing or mm-hmm. it, whatever, whatever that is that fills in the blank for you but Mm -hmm. so that is i kelly if i butchered that please uh (laughs) uh, fix it but that's what i'll be writing about so you'll tell me it's wrong next week i guess Mm -hmm. but that was interesting yeah very good feedback i might totally erase that part i don't know i feel like i was rambling 
Um, no, you were excited to share what you learned. Keep it. All right. Um, the next little part talks about minding the gap, supporting our children means supporting each other. Essentially, like, if you really are for the future of this world and kids, then we need to uh, work together, support each other. Same team. Uh, same team. Uh, the last little part is called Minding the Gap and Belonging, and I thought this was really interesting. She involved, uh, interviewed a bunch of different age people, including middle schoolers, and talking about the difference between belonging and fitting in. Yes. And so belonging is um, being somewhere that you want to be and they want you to, whereas fitting in is uh, being somewhere you want to be, but they don't care one way or the other. Right. They also said fitting in is being accepted for being like everybody else, whereas belonging is being accepted for you. And the most heartbreaking part of this to me was when kids shared that they didn't feel like they belonged at home um, Mm -hmm. or that they didn't fit in. Um, So either they were fitting in because they wanted to be part of the family, but they didn't feel like they belonged or they didn't have either going for them. Yeah, it goes back to the, like, once you can understand these definitions, you can kind of see it better, teach it better, know better, do better kind of thing. So if you... Yeah, fitting in versus belonging. That was very interesting to hear, especially for middle schoolers. I mean, I think everybody hated middle school. I can't think of one person who was like, man, I thrived in middle school. (laughs) No, everyone was weird. Those were the glory days. Oh, I do not want to go back to those. But it's it's just interesting. And then you you think about like what you did as a kid, and you try to notice patterns to see if your kids are picking up on that too. Mm -hmm. Now that you know... Fitting in versus belonging. How can you cultivate the sense of belonging at your house? And I feel like there's been many times that we've said throughout this book, you know, we're not saying it's easy. And even Brene Brown says engagement. So engaging with your kid, getting to know them, empathizing, even if maybe you guys have different things you're into. She says engagement means investing time and energy Um, There's no question that engagement requires sacrifice, but that's what we signed up for when we decided to become parents. Right. So, you know, if you're the um, team mom sports person and your kid loves um, theater, I'm not knocking it. I'm trying to think of something where maybe you don't know how to be the best cheerleader or whatever, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you're going to... Learn everything there is about theater. and Right, because you love your kid. Mm-hmm. You want to engage with your kid and be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I don't really know. Can't you play a sport? Yeah, you cannot be an uninvolved parent. That's what my dad talked about in his Grit episode. You refuse to be an uninvolved parent. Like, oh, I don't know who their teachers are. No, do better. Mm-hmm. It's important that you know who their teachers are because your kid is with them for 40 hours of, of their waking life. So get on it. Oy. Again, it's exhausting, but uh, the most rewarding. Mm -hmm. All that today, when I'm old, they'll take care of me. There you go. You got to invest now. Yeah. (laughs) Set up all those IRA things that roll over, and yeah, I like it. I like you. I like you too. 
Cool. So that's episode 35, Daring Greatly, chapter 7. This concludes the book study portion, and tune in next week. And the following two weeks after that, we're going to interview a co-pastor, um, a, a wreck survivor, mm-hmm. and also a couple who has overcome the odds. So fun times. Stay tuned. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self with a community that cares.